Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming um, and joining us today. Um, today, we have a special guest, Mike Nelson, with the Integrity Home Group at KW First Realty Associates up in Longmont, Firestone area in Colorado. Um, so, Mike, thanks for coming. Hey, thank you, ladies. I really appreciate the opportunity to come out and banter a little bit with you. And uh, as Justin and I usually say, I'm not sure how much value we'll bring, but we'll bring a lot of fun from our side of the house anyways. <laughs> we'll, we'll try okay. to get us some That's value. That's all we ask for. Mike, can you tell us a little bit about what your team looks like, um, what your landscape is up there in, in Firestone, a little bit about yourself and kind of, you know, what you guys are, are known for up there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't know, about, about seven years in real estate, jumped in. My background real quick is uh, obviously you see the flag up here and through the nice virtual background, but heavy military. Um, there's a lot of my passion is in that, that, that past career field. So um, 20 years in the military, 19 years at IBM. So a lot of times when I have these conversations, I talk a little bit about my background and building processes, building teams, leadership, project management, those type of things. So how in the hell that was a natural fit into real estate, I don't have a clue because I feel like there's a lot of that missing in our industry overall. So, uh, so it was great. It was a great opportunity for me to jump in and do that. Uh, specifically, about, we're, we're in four different locations, two in Denver, one in the Springs, and uh, one up north here in Longmont. About 17 agents, five staff, I think, 38 million in volume, 108 units last year. Um, I don't know, a little over, I think we were finally hit the million dollar uh, GCI mark last year with all of the locations together. So, so how did you, like, what made you um, decide on real estate? So you came out of the military and then did you just say, okay, real estate it is? Like, where did that come from? Because I saw all the fun people like you ladies. I mean, there's lots of fun guys and ladies in this business. Why wouldn't we get into a business like this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not partially true. However, you know, being under the corporate flag for so long and really the military is a very hierarchical system too, of course. Um, mm -hmm. This was an opportunity for me to go into something I wasn't used to, which was sort of, you know, moving into my own employed world. And uh, I think that's what intrigued me. Uh, never did I think it'd be as complicated as it is. Um, I had an ego, of course. Um, hard to believe, um, but I thought ah, I can come right in and knock this stuff right out of the park, right off the bat. And ah, we struggle, man. I, I don't have a successful first year story. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you should tell us your first year story. Tell us because the failures and the real talk is what we're super interested in and what listeners want to hear about. So tell us. Yeah. No, really. um, you know, from my world, I did a lot of what the real estate um, agents do. I was the smartest brokest guy uh, in the first nine months of business. I went to every training, every class. However, you know, it paid off in the end. I'll, I'll put it that way. I'm glad I did it that way. However, I struggled. And as most of us know, nine months is uh, a long time for me uh, to show some uh, execution of success. So really, I'm not a success story. Um, I'm nine months in, finally popped my first deal. Um, however, we started to see two one, two, three, you know, every month then we were rolling into, and then it just kept that hockey stick effect eventually took off. I'd say at about 18 months, something like that, where we were consistently closing two to four deals per month uh, in that first two year period, I would say. But however, it took that nine months window. And that's what I try to tell a lot of agents that join into the company or join into real estate is like, hey, this isn't an instant success business, right? So we all know that game. And, you know, we're usually looking at six to nine months to see any level of quick consistency, shall we say. So I mean, two years is actually pretty fast, I feel like, to get to that level. Yeah, I think we did like 32 deals maybe in our second year, somewhere in that neighborhood. So um, yeah, we did okay. Yeah, it just that nine months of <laughs> being dry was uh, a little rough, for sure. I bet you learned a ton, though, during those nine months where you had a dry spell um, and that allowed you to start putting those systems in place that you know that you need 
um, to have a successful business, right? So what are yeah. some of those things that you started doing early on that have kind of set your business through now? Yeah, I mean, besides uh, learning how to drink with efficiency and uh, that was not really uh, a strong successful point, however, <laughs> it taught me the lessons of where my boundaries were for alcohol. No, I mean, I think that was where I came from was a lot. Like I said, I was a big systems document guy. So everything I did, I documented and systematized um, from the very beginning. And I find what's, what's a challenge I see in a lot of real estate agents world is they desire for that success is truly in the lead generation. And what happens is once they get that success, they actually uh, despise that success. And what I mean by that despise that success is because the business is running them. They didn't really build a foundation. They built a great sales skill set, right? Yeah, they built yeah. a great skill set. They could sell you anything. However, that's also not having that business, right? Owning a business and really understanding your systems, your processes, how to, um, how to leverage other people, uh, leverage other resources, be more efficient in what you do. So we were really adamant about, we documented our buyer's presentations, our listing presentations, um, our lead gen times, we stuck to a calendar from the get go, right? But I came from the corporate world, so I had to. I was on global conference calls at two in the morning here, which was whatever, two in the afternoon in China. I had to live by a schedule, so I was kind of ingrained in that. And of course, we all know the military, you pretty well get told when you're gonna do it, how you're gonna do it, and at what time you're gonna do it. And so that discipline was kind of already there for me. When you bring a new agent on your team, what's the first system? Oh man, that's great. So uh, we'll talk about Justin later. Uh, so uh, <laughs> one of his roles early on was to document a lot of videos uh, for our training processes. So we figured out early and often that every time we brought a new agent and it made no sense to take all of our time to train them from A to Z and then they might leave and then we got to do another agent and do it over and over and over and over again. We're like, Duh, let's just record all this and put it on video. So we devised a system that hosts all of our videos, for lack of better terms, and it's interactive. And the agent just, it's kind of like the corporate world, right? When you first start a job at Subway, you go in and watch safety videos. You go in and you watch how to make the right sandwich, whatever the case is. We really didn't do anything different than that. However, we added in, you've got to role play. You've got to do so many scripts. We'll talk about that later, but standards is something massive in our organization as well. We hold you highly accountable. Um, because I know a lot of times real estate agents get in just like I do uh, for their own. I want to be my own boss. And again, being your own boss isn't always what it's cracked up to be either. Right. Yeah, I definitely get that. My boss is a bitch. <laughs> Most of the good ones are. <laughs> so, yeah. So for me, for us, like, I think we have like 40, we have 40 hours of content that they have to go through before we will turn leads on, before we'll put clients in front of their face, anything like that. They have to check that box. The other thing I know is those that are motivated will get in and do it within about a week. And those that take a month to get through that series, I'm usually, they're probably not part of the team after that 30 days. So honestly, because I know if I've got to drag them through the first 40 hours, I'm going to have to drag them the rest of the way through their career. So I think that's a fair assessment. Yep. So as, as a fellow prior military member, what do you think it is about being prior service that translates into better habits as a realtor? That's a great question. Um, I, you know, from my perspective, I think it's because it's always mission first. And in real estate, you got a mission. Your mission is to produce, right? It's to put food on the table for your family. It's to prove to yourself that you are as good as you, you know, believe yourself to be, right? Um, in, in the military, it wasn't so much about you, of course. It was so much about the team. It was so much about your comrades and, and the, the, the mission as well. But I think it's a discipline, too. I mean, you get thrown into so many crazy environments with sometimes very little direction, and you have to just take a leadership role and figure it out, right? And I kind of feel like real estate's that way a little bit, too, right? You're getting thrown into real estate as a number. Whatever brokerage you're with, you're still just a number, right? And the reality of it is you've got to fight your way through that path. And although they have all the training for you, you still got to go figure out how to, to, to work your way through that. Right. I think we're used to being given part of like a couple of clues as to what the solution is supposed to be and then being empowered to figure it out on our own, usually not by design, 
but <laughs> right. I mean, um, usually there's supposed to be a path, but we're often put in situations where we have to just figure it out. And I think that that's really helpful when it comes to real estate. If you're used to that, you know, we see so many weird things that that particular thing that we learned um, on filling in those gaps is such a huge asset. Um, and I use it every day. I'm sure everybody does. Yeah. Um, but I think that that learning that at a high level early on really helped me, especially in my career. So. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't afraid of hard work. Right. And I think the successful agents aren't afraid of hard work at all. They're willing to put in the 12 to 14 hour days to get their businesses off and running. However, at some point in time, the better agents figure out how to balance that out and they set parameters and they set limitations because you can only last 12 to 14 hour days, five, six days a week for so long before it hits your health, it hits your family, it hits yourself, right? And so I think that's kind of a key ingredient. And one of the things the military does is, hey, you know, you get deployed, you're, you're 12, 14 hour days, six days a week and you get a day off and you actually hate the day off because there's nothing to do anyways. So. So that, that work ethic, I think is really what, what, if I had to sum it up, it's the work ethic that I think distinguishes the difference between military and maybe non-military, not to suggest non-military doesn't have that work ethic, but that's probably that ingredient that I think carries over into success, just the discipline and the work ethic. Yeah. It doesn't sound like Angela. I don't know what does. Right. <laughs> well, I don't know if I was born that way or if I just learned it from the military because it's so it's forced down your throat, right? Like you have no choice, but to operate that way. Um, so that's the only way I know. And I was in the military so young, like, you know, it's now it's, that's just second nature to me. So. Well, I think that's true because if you look at like real estate like this, I think this core group of ladies really is very successful in part because of your, your camaraderie, right? You feed off of each other. You're taking care of each other right? You're, you're your own little family and you don't want to see any of you guys fall to the ground, right? And that's a direct comparison to just in the military too, right? So you guys thrive, I believe, in part because of your relationship and how you want to lift each other up to be successful. We use real estate as the success and the busyness in real estate to shield us from some of the underlying things that really should be addressed. We just didn't address it <laughs> during the, the busy times. And so this just helps us recalibrate. And I think my opinion is right. Wherever there's a challenge, there's an opportunity or vice versa. When you have an opportunity, it's probably because there was a challenge in place. So I always challenge people to go, what is your opportunity coming out of this COVID, right? I'm not focused on the COVID and doom and gloom, nor are you. However, where is your opportunity coming out of this? You can totally make a list of, I'm so thankful this happened. And I've, I hate it that it, people are getting sick and dying. I don't mean it that way. I just mean it as, because this happened, I'm a better person. I'm a better position. I'm a better family. I'm a better business owner. I'm a better whatever, right? It took this to happen to, to help me see that. Does that make sense? What did you recalibrate during this time? Like what was the thing that you decided that needed to be recalibrated? Um, that's a great question. Um, a lot of, um, I'm, I have my hands in a lot of pots and I think I get just like a, a successful agent, right? They may be running listings. They may be running buyers. They're trying to lead gym. They're trying to keep transactions alive. They're trying to keep clients happy. I'm not as much in production anymore per se. However, I'm in a lot of leadership between maps, coaching and expansion owner and you name it, right? I've got a bunch of things. I'm carrying a lot of hats. And I think for me, is getting back to just my 20%, right? So it may be, I need to focus more of my time on this strategy versus 10 strategies. Does that kind of make sense? So now I'm going bigger and better with expansion. So we're looking at Nashville opening up in the summer. And so some of that is just now, just really calibrating my focus, I guess maybe is the right way to say it. Awesome. Are you in Nashville? Do you need a girl in Nashville? <laughs> I need people in Nashville, no doubt about it. I got to go there in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I've never been there. I love Nashville. Yeah, I'm looking at picking up a house there so I can short-term rental it. However, Davidson County is uh, the Nashville County. They're a little more strict on their short-term rental policy, so I'm probably going to have to go outside the county. So I'm doing a lot of research there. Uh, that's our, but that's our next big move, right? So I've got a lot of time and energy and focus on that between recruiting, mining with the brokerage. Um, the nice thing is a lot of our systems, uh, since they're documented, it's just re repeat and rinse, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. Plug and play anywhere. 
you got it. Just a little different contracts, a little different policies. Just completed the 30 hours of coursework I had to do because it was a uh, non, uh, what do we call it, non-reciprocating state. Mm -hmm. So that was always fun and exciting to, again, part of my 42,000 things going on at once was this weekend knocking out 30 hours of <laughs> real estate training for a Tennessee license. So going with though was time blocking, scheduling, and what do I do? Around. Yeah, so what are you doing for your schedule to keep all of that, um, you know, straight? Because that's something that I struggle with big time. Um, and it's probably because I'm terrible at delegation. Okay, yeah, that's fair. So, you know, for me, I'm, a, I, again, my background always was, I mean, military didn't have to really run by a schedule too much, especially in the lower ranks, because you were just told be here when to do it, how to do it. As you got to be more E6, E7 and above, you had to be in more meetings, more management. However, IBM was very calendar driven. So I think my past career really enforced the importance of that anyways. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I mean, for me, because I have about 15 MAPS coaching clients, like let's just say now, that's, that's, that's 15 time blocks I have to put in my calendar every single week. Um, and then I've got team meetings for the expansion, all that stuff. I've got to plug all those into the calendar because I'm going to be running around like an idiot putting out fires all day. And then like, oops, sorry, I missed this meeting. Whoops, I'm a, I'm a dumbass. I missed this meeting too. Right. So I, I don't like to look stupid. Let me put it that way. So by not, by, by living by my calendar, I don't look stupid. Um, so I think, yeah, for me, from the calendar perspective, it's really about, do you wake up every morning and look at your calendar and assess what your obligations are for the day? Right. What are they? And what you had at the night last night might change in the morning, yet it needs to be your 20% never changes. What is your 20%? Is it lead gen for the day? I hope so. Right. But that's what happens is people are wake up and they're like, eh, I don't feel like lead gen and I'll move it to the end of the day. And by the time the end of the day gets there, the, their, their, their chaos has already kicked in. And so then they just bounce their lead gen to the next day. Right. And then all of a sudden they're not lead gen anymore. Um, but for me, that's honestly how I manage my schedule is I literally just time block. Here's the, here's the, here's the challenge. People get too aggressive with their time blocking and they get frustrated because they fill up their entire day. And then when one thing goes wrong, they're like, see, coloring doesn't work. This sucks. Well, okay. I get it. You don't, you don't live like a robot, so you're not going to be perfect all the time. So start small, right? Start with your 20% and block your eight to 12. Let the rest of the day happen the way it happens. It's like running a marathon, build incremental successes into your schedule and grow it over time. The other thing that I see with highly successful agents is they don't intentionally block time for their family. And again, I hate to say that like, we should be calendaring for our family. That sounds kind of silly. However, we all know in our business how busy that we are. And a lot of times we'll put our clients and we'll put our transactions and we'll put our money in front of our own family. And that's just the blunt reality of it. If we time block it, I promise you, I promise you, it's in our mind most of the time that we will tell ourselves a story that says, well, I'll lose this client if I don't answer the phone at 10 o'clock when they call. I'm calling bullshit. That's mm -hmm. not true. That's not true at all. And, and if that person's that unreasonable, look, there's plenty of fish in the sea. I, I can go get more business. You know, that's the flat reality. You're as a client aren't going to dictate my schedule and I just kind of I'm honest that way and I'm very upfront with them on that conversation I'm like guys you know that I'm very responsive if I'm available you know I answer you within minutes however you'll also know because I do normally answer you within a few minutes if I don't answer you'll you'll you'll, you'll appreciate and know that I'm not just painting my toenails and eating bonbons and kicking you to the curb I'm truly busy right so mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you brought up your schedule and how you maintain it. Cause literally guys, that is the number one thing with realtors, right? Like is our schedule. We always embed it in other realtors to get your schedule going first. And I love the fact that you said, don't just fill up your schedule and then try and go off of that. I, I, for the first two to three years of me being an active agent, that was the hardest thing for me. Like it was hard for me to put my family first. It was so, so hard for me to schedule my family. And I sat there and I literally scheduled every hour and I got burnt out and I just threw my hands up and was like, I'm not doing this. And then after a while, I figured out what my schedule was. It kind of just landed in my lap. I'm like, okay, I'm doing these three, four things every single day at the same time. 
okay, now I can put these in my schedule. And those are the times I'm going to, it's like a six, it's like a 66 day habit, right? It takes 66 days to get used to something. And it literally dawned on me. I'm doing these every single day. They just need to stay in my schedule, period. So for a new agent or an agent out there who is um, struggling with their calendar, think about what you're doing every single day that has not changed for at least the last two months and put that in. That's what I would suggest. And then go from there. Yeah. And one of the things, and I know Angela's got some questions, so I'll try to look at those at the same time. How, you know, one of the things that I do too is like, it's like, you got to put in, I'll ask coaching clients. I'm like, how's your business calendar? And they're like, it's a mess. It's non-existent or it's this perfect, pretty formulated, awesome that I don't ever use. Right. I never look at it. So uh, what I challenge them though, is especially moms, I'll say moms, how does your personal calendar look like with your kids sports, with their practices, with their doctor's appointments? They're like, it's impeccable here. And they actually get excited. Look at this. It's awesome. It's part. I'm like, cool. Well, what's the difference? right? Where's your, I'm not, I'm not saying your priority is not your family, but why can't you put, if you can do it on one, you sure as hell can do it on the other. What's the, what's the disconnect? Why aren't we doing it in the business? Exactly. I was actually asking about, um, if you have any kids in the business. Oh yeah. Great. So, um, that's, I, gosh, that's a whole other topic in itself. I, I mean, I think you guys could do something on family run businesses. Uh, <laughs> that has its, strengths challenges uh the whole nine yards for sure so uh when well, I and for those of us that have those of you that have listened justin nelson our buddy mike is his dad so there's the relation and the relationship that we have with mike is through justin yeah that's that's how it, that's this whole thing formulated uh good bad or indifferent i don't know <laughs> and we're gonna razz the shit out of him shortly <laughs> I'm making a roast <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, yeah, so I think, you know, I think on the family side, though, absolutely. So it started with uh, me. Once I started hitting about that 32 to 35 clip level in my second year, I got, I was, I, I like to think I can say I was smart. I'm like, I need leverage. I don't want to be doing this paperwork crap anymore. I'm tired of licking and sticking envelopes. Nothing against my wife, but I'm like, I need your help. And so she left the state job, came and partnered with me. Plus, it was free. Right. I mean, I don't have to pay a salary. I mean, I say it was free. Oh, it wasn't free, Mike. <laughs> it was not free. <laughs> businesses. However, uh, she's definitely a great sidekick from the capacity that she can take a lot of my harder, higher D uh, type um, personality um, and kind of run with that. And not if she was a high D and I was a high D, no way in hell this would work. She would have punched me in the face like every day for first two years until I was no longer, uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so kind of looking at that family dynamic, but yeah, then we brought in another buyer's agent as we built systems. Eventually we brought Justin in to be a buyer's agent. And I think my first agent did 24 deals in her first year and he did like 31. And this is as like a stupid 19 year old, right? I mean, and I say stupid facetiously because he's one of the damn smartest kids that I've ever known, to be honest with you. The guy is brilliant. Um, However, I always use the fact that I'm not that smart and we've never had a paternity test. So I don't really know if he's my son or not. I'm just assuming that he is. He is so damn smart. Like mm -hmm. I thought I was hot shit when I came into the business at 17 and started my career. Justin is like, he's one of the smartest people I've ever talked to in my entire life. He's yeah. crazy smart. Absolutely. Super smart kid. And he, he, I think he picked up his work ethic, you know, because that's just how we've parented our kids anyways, is they have to earn it, whether it was youth sports or whatever it was. I mean, I was always the head coach. I'm like, cool, my kid, you want to get the pitcher's mound? You have to, you have to prove times two. You don't even just get three times one. You got to be doubly as good as the other kids. Go ahead. Well, he said that on the podcast about you. That I did. <laughs> sorry, I didn't listen to that podcast. That, that was very much how the how you know you were as a father and um, how the, watching you transform a business this last few years has been life changing for him as your child to watch this. Huh, so it was. It's fun to hear the two different sides of this. I'm happy to listen to that podcast now. <laughs> yeah, I should, because he was very nice. Your whole family though, and I said this on Justin's podcast too, like I met your family at Top Golf, and they're all like that. Like even your younger son who is 
completely going in a different direction as far as what he's interested in is still super driven and still super excited about what he's doing. And your wife is amazing. And you have a daughter too, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've never yeah. met your daughter. So she's the one I don't know anything about, but the whole family is like that. Yeah. And I think it, it goes back to that saying is, you know, who you surround yourself with granted family, you don't really get that choice. So you, you have to make it, <laughs> you have to make them surround you in the environment that you want them to be around. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, maybe that doesn't go with that saying, but kind of does right as a family, but you reap what you sow. Right. And I'm a big believer in that. So, if, you know, I don't know. A military background I didn't rule with an iron fist as a family you know had a household quote unquote I just believed in certain philosophies and principles and you know I think you get forward in life with what you put into it and not just sit back and leech and suck off of any opportunity you can get you actually just take the bull by the horn and you, you drive forward um you and Justin started a podcast together during shelter in place or was that before so tell uh, us about that yeah I think it was just like right right in the beginning of it, it must have been the beginning of it because I think he was getting a little stir crazy at his place. So uh, he came back here and visited us for a while. And I think it was partially was to fill the time um, and fill the void a little bit. Um, but yeah, our, ours is, uh, you guys is definitely much more content driven than ours is. Ours is about a couple of idiots just being on a podcast and <laughs> killing time. So um so I would highly recommend your podcast uh, over anything else that we're doing because we're just totally being a bunch of fools. So yours is super funny though. <laughs> you guys like play games and stuff. Yeah, well, we we banter off of each other as father son for sure. So uh, or brother to brother as we like to say. It. <laughs> What's the thing about Justin that makes you the proudest? Oh, here we go. Here we go. All right, we got it. We got to go down that path, right? This can't just be. Uh, all male bravado. It's got to be all soft and sensitive. So um, you're talking about four women. So yeah. Sorry for you. <laughs> uh, no, I like I said for him. I think it's his drive, right? That's the reality of it. Is but it's a blessing and a curse too, right? They, um, we can all be driven and never really know where that top potential, where that break mark is. And you know, I think I think what we're trying to coach him around a little bit. And I'm trying to throw him. A, a, on a podcast here but you know we all have life balances maybe is the right way to say it and how do you find those balances and being so driven is a, a huge uh credibility for him right he is super super driven and when you pair that with the intelligence that he has and his big thinking i mean you add those three ingredients together and i think that's a recipe for success forever right um when you can think that big like he does at 19 20 i don't even know what he is now 22 something like 24 um you know, when you can think that. Can he drink yet? I mean, that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, when you think that big and you're that driven and failure is not an option, I, I just, the sky's the limit. I mean, and so that kid will be, uh, he'll be on some billboard on some Hollywood stage on some success somewhere, right? No doubt in my mind. I did uh, ask him if it's lonely. Because I think that's what you were referring to there. And that's a real thing. Like, I think entrepreneurship in general is lonely, but especially at his age to be driving that hard, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, and there's a lot of resistance, too, when you're coming up with new stuff and you're, you're, you're making waves through an industry that is, you know, kind of been set in the way it's always been set it, there's a lot of pressure there too i mean and we all experience that right if we want to go out and carve a new path that nobody's done before in real estate and there's not a whole lot of things people haven't done before in real estate yet with technology with i buyers with all of these things coming in there's certainly some new and creative ways to do business that is going to get pushed back it, it, it just is and so I, you know you're, you're getting hit from all sides a little bit on the pressure of don't change the way business is why are you thinking like this? And you're putting in the hours to prove everybody wrong, right? It, it, it does, yeah, it, it, it will wear you down a little bit. So having that motivation, right? And having that, that group, right? Like this network is huge for you guys, I hope, is to be able to, you know, to, to pull together as four powerful women and, you know, brainstorm and talk and hug and party and all of those camaraderie things. So did you know at the inception of the team, well, okay, first of all, as a single agent, 
did you always know you wanted a team? That's a good question too. Um, yeah, I think I did because I, that's my mindset. I, this is what I wanted to say earlier and I just dropped the ball on it is I think when we are in it for others, we're more successful. If we're only in something for ourselves. I don't believe that we're, we won't reach our potential unless we're helping others be successful. And I'm not saying you have to be a team. What I'm saying is if you're helping other agents be successful, that fuels your internal, you know, goodness. And I think it boosts your business and your psyche and your mindset uh, more so than it is looking at me, 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 me. So I think from, as being a leader in the military and all of those things, it's just kind of one, what's comfortable for me. I want to help others be successful a thousand percent. So did you know that you wanted to be a family team right from the get-go? No, not whatsoever. I, I always kind of thought my wife's kind of always had an administrative type background. So I kind of figured that would be a fit at some juncture. Uh, however, my son, when he calls me at 19 from college saying, I want to quit college and join real estate. And I said, I'm old school thinker. No, go get your degree. Cause you can always fall back on that. And he told me, yeah, shut up. I'm going to come work for you. And I said, okay. <laughs> so that, yeah, so that was a different, yeah. I, I, I thought maybe four or five years from now, there was an open door for him. However, he was going in mechanical engineering and stuff like that, which is no relationship to real estate whatsoever. <laughs> so I didn't think it would happen. So Kristen. So tell us about, you know, because we are women and it's a show hosted by four women, we talk a lot about relationship dynamics. So tell us what it's really like you have a lot of relationship dynamics and your team is really close. So like you've got working with your wife, you've got working with your kids. Tell us about the joys and the pitfalls of all that. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I think it first started off with, it's very difficult on the family run business to separate family and business time because it carries into the house. Right. And so, it's easy to sit in one couch and the other couch and your wife is the transaction coordinator and you're the listing agent and she's like, Hey, what's this address? Hey, what, how do I fill this? Point? You know what I mean? And that conversation just goes on and on and on and on and on and on. It's just one or two things, but it's one or two things times 50 things. Right. And so I think there's a dynamic there where it affects your relationship and the capacity of always talking business. And you throw a 20 year old that comes back from college and needs a place to stay. And he's a buyer's agent on your team. Now you have three people in the house talking nothing but real estate. And then that had a dramatic effect on the middle and the younger child a little bit, because obviously they're like, where are we in this picture? The three of you are talking business all the time. We're kind of sitting on the sideline. Like, cool. We're not in business. <laughs> this is kind of boring. The youngest, does, does she want to be, she's the youngest, right? Your daughter. Yeah, yeah, she's a freshman in high school. Does she want to be on the Mike Nelson team? I don't think she knows. Probably not. It's kind of that family-oriented thing that if you've kind of grown up through the family business, it's almost like the state you live in. You're like, I want to get out of this state. It's kind of like the family business. It's like, mm, all I've heard for the last eight years is real estate. I think I don't want to be in real estate. So, so I have a really weird family theory. So... Um, I have only one child and he's nine. He'll turn ne 10 next month. And um, he's a boy, obviously. So for me, it's really hard because I only have one. And boys leave the nest and go on to the next family when they find a wife and that wife's family. And so I'm always thinking about like, how do I get to keep my son in a closer relationship with him as he grows older? And I have noticed, and this is my theory, that boys who grow up with very strong fathers who run businesses and are very financially solvent and are good dads tend to keep their boys at home for some reason. Like I know a lot of families where son grows up and works for dad or dad and son partner in the business together or however it works. But I am always like, okay, I've got to keep a family business and I've got to keep it really successful so that one day Caitlin wants to work with me and then he won't leave and go to Alaska and marry some Alaskan girl that I hate. So that's my theory. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think one thing, and I know there's some few chat popping up. Um, one thing that I think the challenge you have is when you, when you help a strong-headed, independent-minded, thinking child, granted, that they, they're born with a lot of those characteristics, but when you kind of 
help raise them into that mindset and support it. It's definitely when you have two quote, let's just call it alpha males, you know, into the situation, it, there is a little bit of headbutting, right? And there is some challenges in those relationships. And, you know, however, I'm a huge supporter in watching others grow. And for him to say, I want to kind of go off on my own and I want to try this social media education platform and teach around the world. Are you okay with it? I'm going to leave the team. That's a proud moment for me. It hurts my business by all means because you lose a really caliber leader in your business. Yet at the same time, I'm, this is about not about me, right? This is about everybody else in my organization and how can I help them get to the next level? And when you have that mindset, like I feel like that's what drives me, it's actually more of a proud moment than it is a, oh my gosh, my business is gonna suffer. It's not that at all, right? So I think it's just a mindset thing. So I always tend to ask about fear and it's because I have so much fear around building a team and having people be responsible, me be responsible for other people. And just so I have so much fear around this. And so it's always crazy to me because it sounds like you and I have been licensed relatively the same amount of time. Sounds like we did relatively the same amount of business the first couple of years we were in real estate. The difference between me and you is, is you went out and leveraged right away and I haven't done that. And mine's strictly because of fear. So what is your, what was your fear back then if you had any? And how did you break through that and continue to move forward? Because I'm still in a space eight years later, seven years later that I can't seem to get past that. Okay. Yeah, I think fear is, there's, there's, there's always going to be fear when you've built a business to a certain level, whether it's one year, three years, eight years, 20 years of can anybody do it as good as I do it. And I'm here to tell you, there are you get that you people that say that I'm like, get it out of your head. Now, do they do it exactly the way you do it? Not necessarily. However, there's people like a Justin or others in this society that certainly can do it better than I do it. Let's just be real. He's, he could do this business better than I could do it. So, so back to kind of your question of that fear is, I think you have to address what's that fear and is it legitimate fear or is it mindset fear, mm -hmm. right? I mean, legitimate fear to me is a guy's holding a gun to my head, asking for my wallet. That's legitimate fear. In my head fear is if I give this piece of business to this agent, are they going to screw it up? And that's fear. However, so be it, right? That's not a real fear for me. If I give them the right training and the right everything, then that's on me. I think my fear was, could I grow the business? Cause I'm a huge thinker. Could I ever, my fear is always, can I grow this business to be the best that it can be in support of everybody else? Can anybody join my organization and be highly successful? And do I give them enough opportunities for upward growth and mobility? I think that's my fear is I want to grow so big, not for my own gain, but others can see themselves for 30 years in this business that I participate in. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes, listen, I've paid thousands of dollars for coaching. I've been in coaching. Like I, for whatever reason, I can't get through this. And I'm going to tell you why the other night you and I were having a Facebook chat back and forth. And we were talking about the dishonesty of some of the agents in our industry. That for me is such a huge piece of the puzzle. And I feel like I have, and this sounds horrible. And for all the realtors listening, I'm sorry. I have like an automatic distrust almost of other agents. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, so maybe it's not fear that I have, like maybe it's that I'm not meeting the right people to add to my world because I've decided to minimize my world so much because I don't want to deal with all the chaos. Yeah. Maybe that's more what it is. Well, I think, and look at the four of your relationships, right? I mean, you guys are all very similar, right? In some capacity, you, you guys have bonded in some capacity. So right. you need to take the attributes of these folks that you have on this call and start to draw up what is the ideal agent for your team? What is the prototypical person that can get away, can get along with Jessica and survive and thrive together? And then that, to me, that eliminates that fear because you're finding this you know, thing about dating, right? I mean, you have this ideal partner in your mind when you go out and dating and you don't always find that right <laughs> you have to try and buy <laughs> like i've been in a relationship since i was 18 i don't even know what dating's like mike <laughs> i had a child well, longer yeah. than most people oh, back in the day uh, so yeah i, I mean, mean for justin, me, justin just said he's gonna have my va manage my tinder so you know whatever dating, <laughs> dating <laughs> 
Well, that's a different story on a different day. I was in Vegas, I think, on a business trip, and my wife messages me, and she's like, um, why is there a Tinder account in Vegas assigned to your phone in Vegas? <laughs> your iPhone? <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Because <laughs> of our stupid son. <laughs> I think it ended up being spam and she just didn't know it was spam on the front end. No, the next time that happens, she needs to take over the Tinder though and like <laughs> let let Mama Nelson have a shot at all these girls. No, we got enough drama around here. I don't need that. I don't need any more drama. I told Justin I want to be in charge of his Tinder. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I also feel like Mama Nelson needs to come on this show because like I just want to ask her how the hell she handles you guys all day long. <laughs> She's got that part. I think she's got that that speech pretty well polished because I think she's asked that a lot. And so there must be a lot of truth to that question. It's her elevator speech, right? <laughs> I think she just drinks a lot of margaritas. I'm not sure that's the healthy right answer, but it's the answer. Did you ever find her in the closet going, ah? <laughs> she just shakes her head's like this all the time. It just goes back and forth. Um, so I would like to point out, you said something a couple of minutes ago about running a team. And I know we, I have the same fear as Jessica as running a team, but what I've noticed throughout the interviews that we've done with other mega agents and team owners, there's one thing that they all say, and not all of them say that, say this. So it always catches my eye or ear <laughs> when you say, it's about the agent and growing them rather than having a massive team. Mm -hmm. I mean, you didn't say it like that, but basically the gist is, is you're worried, you're more caring and more worried about making your agents more successful than you, than you are making yourself successful is what I get. And that to me, if you're a newer agent or if you're an agent looking to join a team, I think that needs to be the first clue when joining a specific team. Because if that team owner or if that team is not wanting to grow you as an agent and as a person, then that team isn't for you. And in my opinion, that team's not going to be successful. They're, they're going to fall, in my opinion. So that to me really rings when a team leader says that. Um, so it kind of brings me into MAPS coaching because when you're a coach and you know about teams and you know about the real estate industry and being a coach, tell us about MAPS. Yeah, so I mean, MAPS specifically is very, um, it's that high level of accountability, right? And Specifically with MAPS nowadays, just to get into that for a minute, is they're allowing people to interview their own coaches to make sure they have the right fits, the right skills. It's not just, uh, here you go, thanks for signing up, here's your coach, and good luck for the next six months, right? It needs to be the right fit. I believe it's like a, it's a relationship. I mean, and I think you have, in my world, you know, you've, we've always had coaches in some capacity, whether they were identified as a coach or not, we've had coaches, youth sports, um, you name it, right? So mm -hmm. fitness coaches, health coaches, nutrition coaches. I, I believe that the most successful people have a coach in various capacities of their life, right? If you are physically fit, somebody would probably help drive you to be physically fit. It may not have been a coach, but it might've been your spouse. It might've been your friend. Somebody was helping you with accountability. All coaching comes down to is accountability and asking the right questions. Um, the big thing that I see that's a difference between coaching is a coach will ask the relevant questions to get you to explore your opportunities. A, a mentor kind of tells you what to do and a consultant kind of tells you how to do it, right? A good coach gets you to self-discover through the right questions, through empowerment type questions. So you're like, you know, Jessica, what's your fear, right? Let's dig into that. I'm not gonna tell you what your fear is, but I'm gonna ask enough questions that I can get enough information out of you to get your brain thinking and steer you in that direction through the right questions for you to self-discover. Does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. And that way, because if I'm telling you, Kristen, hey, you need to go lead generate four hours a day, you're gonna be like, no, cool. I hear what Mike's saying, but that's Mike's goal for me. That's not my goal for me, right? I'm gonna get you to realize the importance of that four hours a day and then really drill down into what is four hours of lead gen. That's a great, that's a great goal. What the hell does it mean? What are you gonna do? 
How many minutes are you gonna put it in your calendar? Right, all that stuff. And then I'm gonna check in with you every day. Did you get your four hours done? Did you get your four hours done? Did you get your four hours done? So I don't know if that answered your question or not, but- uh, No, it does. No, absolutely. I just, I wanted to tie in being a coach and mentor and, and running a successful team and caring about the agent themselves and not you because you being a coach and you being a team owner is awesome. That's great, but it's not about you. It's about the, it's about the agent. And that's, in my opinion, what makes a good team leader, what good, makes a good coach and what makes a good agent is yeah. when you care about the other agent. Yeah, you put others first, you can't go wrong, right? Absolutely. Have I been burned? Absolutely. Have I helped pay for an agent to get their license and then they bail on me in a month? That's the fear thing. Right. I don't, I, it is what it is, right? I'm like, okay, you're just not a good person or you're not a professional person or however you want to define it. Cool, the world's full of them, right? Maybe I'll try to find a way out of that in the future that I go, sorry, this person burned me before, so I'm no longer going to pay for people's licenses on the front end anymore, right? You just adapt right. with it. But not everybody's that way, right? It's, it's, you got to see the good in people, and you can't focus on the bad apples. You got to focus on the good apples. And again, we're not perfect. We have, the, just like anything in real estate, you can be successful with the right guidance, the right work ethic, and the right discipline. Anybody can be successful in this business. Not everybody will be. Right? That's the flat reality. We know that. I mean, the, the, the numbers are staggering as to how many agents flop out in their first year, three years, and five years, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's silly numbers. However, I, I'm okay because I feel like I provide them the tools and the coaching and the guidance, yet you can lead the horse, but you know, they, the horse has got to want to drink the water, right? And so it's okay. I, I know I'm not going to be the right fit for everybody. I get that. They're not going to be the right fit for me. It's okay. I'm okay with that, right? And I, I, I probably turn down more than, um, than I take when they come and interview me because I'm not a recruiting business. I'm a business business. So I'm interviewing you as an agent, just like I would do in the corporate world. And why do I do that? Because I want to make sure we have the same vision and the same alignment so I can support you to get to your goal, right? If your goal is to do one deal a year, probably not a great fit for us because of our splits and things like that. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'm going to be very honest with you. It's like, cool. You only want to do one a year. I, you might as well, you can get that on your own and get the full company, you know, the full commission. You should do that. Totally. Right. So I think that's really where I feel like I differentiate a lot of times too. And that why I have a really good retention, generally speaking of the agents is because we put them on the path for success. We, we, we kind of scrutinize them on the front end and we interview them like more like a company, you know, a corporate interview more, more than, oh, you can fog a mirror? Cool, sign here for my team, right? I, I don't need mirror, window foggers, right? I need people that are aligned and ready to go and willing to get after it with us for all of us to be successful. I shared with you the other night and, and this speaks to your coaching and your leadership and your mentorship the only agent I have met recently that I would have ever even considered was already on your team. <laughs> so I think that speaks volumes for you as a leader that I have such a negative attitude towards hiring. And she would have been the first one that I would have been like, huh, this might actually be a fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so again, and, I, and a lot of this is like learning, right? You have to fail forward in a lot of this stuff. So I had a ton of corporate hiring experiences yet. That is, that doesn't necessarily apply to real estate. Real estate, men and women are their own breed. <laughs> yeah, I have two questions. So what is your favorite question to ask a potential new hire? Um, that's a great question. I will, I, I really, for me, and then this kind of sounds cheesy, but I want to know their big why, right? I really want to know why they're doing this. Because in the end, that's what motivates them, right? If their big why is not strong enough, then it, it, if it doesn't satisfy me, I'm probably not bringing them on because I need them to really dig deep and figure out what they're fighting for. What are you fighting for? If, if I know what you're fighting for and it's a deep enough fight, I know that you will be successful. I don't know. That, no, I know that's not the answer you're probably looking for, but that's it. No, I, I love the way you said that. What are you fighting for? I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. And I feel like I big why it, Actually, it's funny. I was just having this conversation at like midnight last night with Missy Webb in Oklahoma. And um, we were talking about big why. And I said, I've always struggled to find mine because I feel like it can be so cheesy. I want to go to Disneyland. I want a new house. I want new shoes. And for me, I'm not a money person. So 
it's really difficult for me to like figure out what it is that's driving me outside of I want to wipe the floor with every fucking human being on the planet that's in my way. And like, that sounds horrible. Like you can't say, I actually have one and I'm not going to say it out loud to you guys. Cause it is so bad. You can't say that to people. Like you can't walk up to people and be like, Hey, this is the thing. Um, you have to be like, well, cause I want to go to Disneyland twice this year. So I feel like I really struggle with that. But so I love saying, what are you fighting for? Cause that is like so much stronger than what's your why. I love that. Um, and, and then I want to know. Yeah, if you gave me that answer, I want to wipe everybody off the face of the earth because I'm competitive. I wouldn't even ask another question. I would be like, okay, wait. Well, first of all, let me find out if you're batshit crazy. Uh, I don't need batshit crazy on my team. However, <laughs> batshit crazy that you're really competitive. <laughs> right. I can deal with a little bit of batshit crazy. So that's the line. There's a little edge oh, there. I, no, yeah. I mean, we're all a little batshit crazy. I'm not batshit crazy. But it's her daily affirmation. People. You can't walk up and say that to people. Like you have to be like, I look like a new pair of shoes. I want my kid to go to college. Uh, oh my God, was... you're, you're always learning, ladies. You just learned something new. I can just tell by your. That's what I'm fighting for, and I don't know why. I, I don't know if she's scared of you or she like you more. I'm like, <laughs> you can't say this to people. So, anyways, I want to know about. The, I want to know a horror story about hiring somebody and you don't, I, you know, don't totally burn them. You don't have to, but like, tell us a failure or a horror story about hiring somebody because like all we ever hear is my team is lovely and I love all my agents and everybody's perfect. Like tell us some mess so that people can know the reality of this. Yeah. I'll keep it a little high level because if I get too detailed, it'll be very clear as to who the individual is. Um, so we'll just blame it on Justin again. Everything. <laughs> use Justin as an example. All no. Justin's fault. <laughs> uh, no, I, th I think from my world is, you know, anytime you have real estate, it's a lot about um, helping each other succeed, I believe is a winning relationship. And when it becomes one sided or lopsided at some point in time throughout the relationship, that's when things get a little bit nasty. And so you know, we've had agents that obviously we have them sign like a independent contractor agreement. So you got your market center one and then you got team ones and all that stuff. So we have our own. And a lot of that is like, okay, if you've acquired the business through the means of being with the team and you leave the team, we still want you to honor your split. Can I hold you liable? Am I going to take you to court and spend thousands of dollars? No, I'm not. Let's just be real. It's not worth it. Um, However, I just expect you to be a decent human being and honor your commitments. That's all I ask. When agents leave, are they decent human beings? Well, I'm sure they are. However, their money's at, at hand and greed gets in the way and they're like, cool, I'm not going to, I'm working for a new broker. So guess what? I'm going to keep the commission and you get nothing to say about it. Those are your challenges. Honestly, I think is when they leave and you know, agents are notorious for reading contracts, but not interpreting contracts. So they like to play the dumb card a lot when they leave. And they're like, oh, I don't remember signing that line item. I'm like, cool. That's why I have you initial every single line now, because now you can't say, I didn't know what I read. You can say it, but you initialed it now. And I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just like, hold yourself accountable. You sign up to be with the team. We go through everything line by line, right? Just to make it abundantly clear. So you can't ever come back and play the dumb card on me. So, you know, in those examples, I've had agents take off and they take the listing, right? You know, they'll, 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 they'll build up just like an agent will go broker to broker. They might hold their queue of listings until they've moved brokerages and then they'll unleash like five listings. And I'm like, come on, you haven't done five deals all year. And all of a sudden you have five listings and you left the team. I'm quite certain the team had some uh, partnership in getting those listings for you. So uh, that would probably be my high level horror stories. We could go offline at the bar for the other, uh, <laughs> more crazy like I'm gonna I'm gonna burn your house down did you just say you're gonna burn their house down <laughs> no I've only had one threaten to burn my house down <laughs> oh. that's a bar conversation though. okay so this is why I fail because I'm also like the biggest squishiest human being on the entire planet and so they're like I'm going and I'm taking all this and I'm literally like okay would you like my car um, can I give you my computer? Like, what can I give you to, there was a thread in, uh, one of the big Facebook groups that was going around a couple months ago. And it was the funniest thing I've ever read in my life. And it was like, tell me what 
the worst thing that you've ever done that was completely out of alignment with your values to make somebody happy was. And all these people were saying stuff like, I, I fired a girl before she even started on day one and I still gave her like a ridiculous severance package. Like that's me. And that's why I fail. Cause I only have two speeds. Like, I'm like, I love you. I love you. I love, get out of my way. You're going to die today. So that's where I struggle with leadership. So how do you have those like super candor conversations without making everybody want to burn your house down? Yeah, I, I think it, there, there's like, you know, there's definitely, there's skill and, and, and kind of balance, right, with those conversations. And I think it's just how you portray the message. I'm just a, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a contract guy. I'm a, that's, there's no emotions to me. I'm like, cool, for like me, I have all of our agents on a 30, 60, 90. I have our staff on a 30, 60, 90, which is obviously, these are what you do in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. I will tell you with the staff, I'm, I'm, I'm not a jerk, but I'm very high expectations to prove to me you're worthy of being on the team in a non-arrogant way. If you want to be here and you want to have massive growth opportunities, you got 90 days to prove it. And oh, by the way, like Gary says, uh, look, I, I'm trying to run this like a Navy SEAL boot camp where I want you to ring the damn bell. If you ring the bell, I've done my job. However, if you don't ring the bell and you make it that 90 days, you are the epitome of talent and you are exactly who the hell I want on my team. But I'm gonna run you out in 90 days. If, you're the, if you can't do it, I'm not dragging you to the finish line. Nobody has time to drag people to the finish line. So I think it's very clear when I sit down in those conversations like you, is you set the right expectations. Very clear, a lot of clarity in your expectations, whether it's an agent, whether it's a staff member. And there's, there's no emotions to me. It's like, hey guys, you had a 32 tasks on your 30 days, you missed one, you only did 31 man, I'm sorry, you're just not the right fit for us. You couldn't get that one extra task done. Are you kidding me? Really? You know, and that's just the way my mind is. If you really want this job, you will do all 32 tasks, not 31. I have a real question. So like I do, and we talked about this a lot on the show. Again, I'm not a feminist. Like that's not my politics. That's not what I'm into. But I do think that there's a difference between men and women and the way that women are portrayed and the way that we can behave and the way that men are portrayed and men can be so i like i listen to that and i feel the same way i'm a high d i have extremely high expectations of myself i have high expectations of other people and i listen to you say that and i'm like gosh she's such a badass but then for some reason when we're women and we do the same thing we're bitchy or mean or insert whatever awful adjective you want to there so i just want to know like can you think of a single uh very successful woman who runs a real estate team whether in the keller system or outside of it who has those standards that you would not call a bitch Oh yeah, totally. I mean, for me, I can think of it. And again, they, there's a, but again, I, I think guys can be looked at as, you know, dicks and assholes too. I mean, because they're, they're laying the law, right? They're putting it down. People, my, my, my director of operations calls me a professional asshole all the time. And I'm not, I, it's just, I'm a professional because I'm holding people to the level of the standards and commitments that they signed up with. I'm not running around cussing at them and yelling at them and belittling them. I'm just holding them accountable and I don't let loose of my standards. My standards are my standards. So I don't, I, I think both sides get that. It may be more vocal that the that towards the females than you hear it to the guys. Maybe there's some legitimacy there. Um, but for me and my perspective, I can think of like Kristen Coles of the KW world. I can think of, you know, Condoleezza Rice's outside of real estate, right? There are some very, I can name many, 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 many powerful women that have been, they, they just, they, again, it's like a, somebody who goes in and starts a path. You just got to eliminate the noise, right? They're trying to tear you down, whether it's a female conversation, whether it's a business venture conversation, that you've just got to stay narrow focused and let all that be noise. Does that make sense? Just stay the course. Be who you are, right? Yeah. Okay, so mean and squishy at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, for me, it's, it's about the numbers too, right? So it's like, I expect our agents after so many months to do at least two closings a month. And so that's the Ben Kenny philosophy, right? Ben Kenny's like, if you don't do two a month, I might give you a 30-day reprieve. However, you're going to do three the next month, right? But I'm very matter of fact, you don't do two in Ben Kenny's world, done. 
right? Done. You're out. Sorry. That just is what it is. It's a standard. It's an expectation. You have to meet that expectation. And that's mean. Well, Gary, Gary Keller always says, uh, I love you, but the standards don't change. So I need to just get better at like saying that over and over and over again to myself. So it kind of goes back to like what Kristen they, they were talking about. And we're going to wrap up here is the calendar and the inability to say no. It's no different in these conversations with people. So you got to be hard when you got to be hard. And it's not, I don't see it as being hard. We both agree to a commitment and a standard. You fail to live up to your standard. Same with me. If I don't lead, if I have to lead by example, if I don't, if I don't match the standards either, then I'm shame on me, right? Shame on me. So I have felt this within the last year. I want to say maybe 2018, 2019. I have given zero Fs about if somebody thinks I'm a bitch or if somebody thinks that I'm being a mean girl. I'm to the point where it's like, so be it. I don't care. If you feel that way about me, that's your problem, not mine. Now, if it keeps happening and things keep going and I'm seeing it throughout, then maybe I need to look at myself and see my inner. But I'm to the point where I'll just say no regardless. I don't care because that's me and that's who I am. And you got to be comfortable in your own shoes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I started feeling that back in 2018. And when I started feeling that is when the stress and everything just lifts off. Who cares what other people think about you? They have the issue with you. You don't have the issue with them. But again, if you keep having that issue and other people are coming up with that and saying that, then maybe you should look at yourself. Yeah. That's how I see it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, I think it's a maturation process for sure. I think it's an age thing as we go through our age cycles and we go through career and, and just we start, you know, that's why you see the grumpy older people sometimes because they just don't give any fucks. I mean, it is what it right. is, right? And I think they just got there over time, over a over maturation process. And I'm with you on that. It's like, I'm not going to make this suit. It's my business. I can't let other people's opinions about me and me changing my strategies towards their opinions affect my financial well-being. I've done that a few times. Like, oh, that sounds great. I'm sorry you don't like my policy. Let's try yours. And, oh, Mike lost $15,000. No sweat off their back. They didn't lose any money. So I have to be that way. I have to protect our investment. And some of that's just being a jerk and going, no, I'm not going to implement that. I think I'm, I'm going to hear you out. I want to listen to everything you have. However, it's my finances supporting this operation. So I'm going to have the financing. So right. like me, don't like me. It's okay. Right. I'm not, I'm clearly not to that place that Kristen is at yet. And that's been my biggest personal thing that I've been working on for 18 months or two years, but I just really fast before we wrap up, want to go back to what you started with saying, which is that like you also have a lot of people in your world who speak life into you and affirm that you're a good person, even if you have to have hard conversations. And I just want to thank again, my other three homegirls for um, waking me up to the potential that like there are people in my life that can do that for me too. And that's been huge for me. So I would say um if you struggle with the personality stuff the best thing that you can do is go out there and find people that will speak life into your world and cut out the toxic stuff that makes you feel bad and yucky yeah who you surround yourself with matters right that's the real key right is and i think that's valuable in your relationships of growth is people who can kind of call it when you stink call it, you know tell them they mm -hmm. stink a little bit so that's been huge for me the last couple of years. So I hope people here like fill up your, your place with positive people like you do, Mike. Yeah. And just having the openness to help, to have them help you hold accountable. Right. I'm a huge believer. Absolutely. You know, I want to be able to have the ability to go like, Hey, I love you. And man, but I can't let you go down this path. Now you're going to ultimately choose if you still want to go down that path or not. However, here's what I'm seeing from an outsider's viewpoint, right? And you guys do what you do with that, so. Well, you rock. I'm so glad that you came on, Justin's brother. Thank you so much. And for those, <laughs> the people that are listening and don't get that joke, Justin and Mike literally look like they could be brothers. It's crazy, so. Like we sound alike. Uh, I, so, the, so I've been told we used to play games with clients that would call us and he would answer on my behalf and I would answer on his behalf. 
I mean, you guys sound identical. It's the weirdest thing. That's why I can't get away with I might not be as bad. I, I guess I look too much and sound too much like him. <laughs> You're related. <laughs> but thank you so much for spending so much time with us. And we super appreciate it. And we are big fans of the Mike Nelson team. We'll link all your information and your podcast in our show notes. So we will see everybody next week. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks ladies. Bye. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Bye. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.